I'm Garrett McQueen. I'm Scott Blankenship. And this is Triloquy, true and real stories from the fringes of classical music, live again from Studio B. I love Studio B. We've got the mood lighting on. I get to have my I get to have my cupcakes. You got your cupcake handy. Yep. Um, so and and happy Kwanzaa. We're going to talk about uh, Kwanzaa today. Um, uh, the the guiding principles of Kwanzaa, what it is, who it's for, and 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 all that good stuff. Uh, and, and we've already uh, uh, recorded and produced the uh, the Kwanzaa special. I was going to mention that. Yeah. Uh, ten, uh, it'll be on tonight. At, is it seven? Well, yeah. So today, as this is airing at seven, but then again on, on the first. Uh, January first, the yeah. final day of Kwanzaa at two o'clock in the afternoon. That's Central Time. Um, did you did you learn anything uh, producing uh, the the Kwanzaa special? Well, I was really glad to get a more in depth introduction to Imani Wins. Oh, oh the, the the ensemble. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, they they come across the playlist on occasion, mm-hmm. but not with any regularity. And so I heard a couple of the performances that you gave me when I was putting the thing together. But then also last week when you were over, you just sort of left it on YouTube in the background. Like their channel, yeah. And then when you left, it continued to carry on. And it was really nice to, it was just a warm sound. It it was, um, I would describe that as uh, just such, like if you walked into the house with that playing. Yeah. It feels welcoming. Their their sound is very welcoming. Yeah. Um, uh, earlier uh, this week, um, Del and I had uh, my homie Joel and his girlfriend Jasmine over. Shout out to them. And as we were just, you know, you know, when you finally get done uh, cleaning and picking up your house, how the final step is lighting a candle or lighting an incense or something. So sure. in, in that mode, you know, we're done cleaning and just kind of chilling out, um, maybe having a pre-cocktail. We, uh, I, I put on some Imani Winds in the background. And yeah, it, it's just perfect mood music. If you've never uh, heard of Imani Winds, Winds. It's um it's set up like the traditional uh, woodwind quintet, you know, so flute, clarinet, oboe, uh, bassoon, uh, and horn, mm-hmm. and uh, but but they and they play a lot of the standards, you know, tom, uh, you know, tambo de couperin and all those famous arrangements. You're telling me to back up, okay? Just, go ahead and fix the mic, producer. There you go. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, they play the standards. Uh, but they also put their own spin on uh, things, and uh, their their flutist for a long their longtime flutist Valerie Coleman um, writes a lot of their music, including one of the pieces of music we're gonna um, talk about uh, today. Uh, yeah, really important group. You know, I may I don't can't remember if I've told the story about how I discovered Imani Wins. Um, on this podcast, uh, I was, you know, I was a kid on MySpace. Remember MySpace? Did yeah. you have a, Did you have a MySpace? Right. That's when <laughs> everything was a glitter emoji, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and somehow I came across their MySpace page, and maybe I was searching for something bassoon like, and um, I discovered, you know, this woodwind quintet that was all black. And uh, they were playing like some really fun, spicy sounding music. And I was just blown away. I'll never forget uh, the the first uh, recording uh, that I heard of them. Their background music on their MySpace page was their uh, version of Piazzolla's Libertango. Oh, Libertango, um, yeah. Yeah, just, just really, uh, yeah.
So anyway, that was my introduction to them. And, um, and I just, you know, listened to all their music and, and follow what they were doing along the way. This past summer, I got to uh, meet Monica Ellis, their bassoonist. I was going to ask about that, too, because yeah. she, she writes, too, doesn't she? Yeah, I, I, I think they all write in their own way. Jeff Scott, uh, their horn player, uh, he, uh, he writes music. The group is a little different uh, now than it was originally. They have a different clarinet player mm-hmm. um, and a different flute player. But, yeah, just really uh, incredible ensemble. If you've never heard of uh, Imani Wins, definitely go look them up. Uh, for the uh, December edition of Major Themes, you know, APM uh, puts out, you know, their, you know, must-hear recordings or albums or whatever. Right. So for the holiday edition, you know, I, I put up there uh, the This Christmas with Imani Wins. They have a really dope uh, edition of Donny, uh, version of Donny Hathaway's This Christmas. Um, a lot of the other standards. Anyway, yeah, shout out to Imani Wins. They're, they're phenomenal. But also, uh, this is going to shock you. Okay. I don't know anything about Kwanzaa. <laughs> okay, and I, I don't want to get too spicy here, but do you know anything about Hanukkah? Yeah, I know that there's some candles lit. And what uh, else do you know? Something about how it, uh, the story was based on there was maybe oil for one night, and somehow it stretched to, what is it, seven? Or maybe eight. 12 no. or eight? Oh, yeah, I, don't know. I, I think because then Adam Sandler did Eight Crazy Nights, right? Okay, let's not disrespect Hanukkah, but... <laughs> if that's how I got there. Okay, but anyway, my point is, you know, some, you're not Jewish, you know something about Hanukkah, but you know nothing about Kwanzaa. I mean, right. you had heard the name Kwanzaa before, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and I, I had the feeling that a lot of people just think of it as a black Christmas, like the black version of Christmas, but... Uh, it's it's not that it is something uh, there completely is a, separate. But there is a gift exchange and a and a big meal though, right? Well, the, well, there are meals and gift exchanges. Okay. You know, it's but you know, it's it's not about somebody uh, coming down the chimney. You know, it's not a. It has nothing to do with the, I don't the think, Christmas tradition. I don't think Jesus ever came down the chimney. You don't, <laughs> sir. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let let. I'm, you make me nervous that that we're gonna. No, it's the. <laughs> I was just talking about the reason for the season, right? And you said, and you're, you, you immediately went to Santa Claus. So you had me mixed up because I'm thinking about Santa Claus and then Black Santa and then Black Jesus and. Okay, so let's go back to that. <laughs> this is not Black Christmas, right? Right. Okay. But but uh, but there is blackness in. Christmas, you know, uh, everyone was, uh, I don't know if you know, everyone was talking about this new recording of this holiday season uh, by Margaret Bond's Anthem to the Brown King. Had you heard anything about that? I listened to that uh, once, I think it was Friday, and then earlier today while I was getting... Oh, you listened to the Anthem to the Brown King? I I heard it uh, when I went to Memphis uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I turned on uh, the the classical station. Do, shout out to WKNO uh, afternoon host Kaki Walton. Uh, she she talked a little bit about Margaret Bonds and who she was, mm-hmm. about how she was you know uh, uh, you know for a long time overlooked, a lot like Florence Price, and is finally getting her heyday. And uh, she wrote this sort of uh, holiday oratorio called the Anthem uh, to the Brown King. And it's about, you know, the three kings, the brown one that, you know, when you see people's, uh, excuse me, when you see people's lawn um, nativity scenes and stuff, one of them is always black, you know, well, that's who it's about. And um, 
You know, I have to say, I was a little surprised at how uh, traditional it sounded. It, to, to my ear, it was very much in the vein of the Messiah and, mm. you know, no, but, and knowing her, um, you know, how she be- really believed in the, the tradition of Negro spirituals and all that. So, it, I don't know, I thought it was interesting to hear this black, piece of black classical music that, you know, was very much in that traditional Christmas vein. And of course, Scott, that's not the only sort of, uh, you know, King-inspired uh, piece of, uh, you know, black classical music. When I came over, you said you were listening to Duke Ellington's Three Black Kings. Uh-huh. What do you think of that one? It worked with getting ready for breakfast. Oh, oh um, how so? Oh, you were I, cooking no, up I something just, soulful yeah, in the I kitchen. Just, <laughs> I was just feeling, you know, I was kind of scooting around and <laughs> and just, in, you know, enjoying my time. You know, you know, I, I, like, yeah. to, I like to cook. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it, it felt almost like 40s era, like the golden era of the studio soundtrack. Sure, sure. That like lush, you're listening to that radio orchestra. Exactly. Yeah. When, um, it, uh, you know, a 40s film. Um, and there was also, you could tell where the lines were uh, between jazz and classical because... Sure. Uh, obviously, the the strings and the and the winds could do that orchestral sound, but then when a when a soloist would break out, yeah, yeah, there that's when the and when the trap out. set player would really get to going, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, um, and uh, you know that piece uh, in honor of you know Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and then um, also I believe uh, uh, King Solomon, who you know if you know again you know your Bible stories there. There's some risque stuff in the Bible that uh, that's in the Book of Song of Solomon. His sort of poetry. He talks about how he loved he loves this black woman's breasts so much, and I feel like I'm sitting here cussing, but it's it's in the Bible. So, <laughs> and then there's a uh, and then there's also uh, a movement dedicated to King Balthazar. You know, so sort of a biblical and spiritual. Uh, connection to just uh, what is the spirit of blackness and black music, jazz mixed with orchestral, really phenomenal piece of music. Now that you think about it, now that I think about it, there is a nativity scene in the neighborhood. And one that, of them is black. And one of them is black. Well, you know, it's one of those <laughs> old plastic things that's been spray painted, you know, and they've had it for a while. Okay, so what we have to do when we're done, we need to go take a picture of it, and that's going to be the photo for this episode. Okay, and, <laughs> and directly to the left is a light-up Santa Claus. 
Oh, Santa, Santa uh, attended the birthing of Jesus Christ. He was oh. there. He was there. So that's with why gifts. he comes down the chimney. Oh, because I guess according to the story, he came down to offer the gift. So, oh, all the all the Frankenstein and more Muir's. And then Frank Frankincense. And then Joseph spin the dreidel, and a winner came six weeks early. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Shout out to everyone's winter traditions. Wow. I am. We did a problematic alarm, yeah, like on the a- Jesus and Barrel <laughs> podcast. Anyway, um, happy Kwanzaa, everyone. <laughs> so here we are at Kwanzaa. Yeah, so yeah, Christmas is done. Um, so uh, You know, they don't put the baby Jesus out until Christmas Day. Oh, really? That nativity. The, yeah, we'll walk by there. <laughs> Shout out to them. Yeah. We, we, we need to have them as guests on the podcast sometime. Yeah. But anyway, today is Kwanzaa. Um, we we kind of talked about the Kwanzaa special um, already that we did for um, for air on classical NPR. You know, Scott, I just have to say um, the the subject of like tokenization and stuff has come up on this podcast, and the line of tokenization is very thin. At least it feels very thin for me sometimes because as the black host on C24, it's really easy to ask me to, you know, do a Kwanzaa, host a Kwanzaa special. But a part of me feels like I, that's something I have to do. In, in your tenure in public radio, how many uh, Kwanzaa features have you heard on, on a classical uh, radio station, classical dial? Here, I can't tell you because um, I don't, do a lot of radio listening when I'm, I listen to news, mainly news and talk and podcasts. And all of the music that I'm getting is the stuff that I've been listening to. You know, I've bought maybe three or four releases in the last decade. Okay, Okay, but listen, what I'm saying is, you know, did did someone produce one last year, the year before, the year before? No, not to my knowledge, but I was going all the way back to the station I was at before coming here, and they did buy... Uh, a Kwanzaa special for a couple years. I wonder who did that because see, I had never heard of it, um, or heard heard it on the radio. That's a great question, but it was something that they bought from some you know some production house. Okay, well, shout out to them. Yeah, maybe uh, we'll we'll find that. But but anyway, just you know, as a, as a long way of saying, um, you know, it, it's something that. Uh, more and more black folk are starting to really look into and respect and and, and honor as something that was uh, created uh, for us, uh, for for us to, you know, have a thing and and something for us to think about and reflect on who we are as a people. So um, it's not a holiday that that I grew up celebrating by any means. You know, in these past few years, I've been reading and learning more. Last year, I really uh, went in head first with uh, you know, going through the uh, sort of the uh, not just the principles, but the the, the different what do you call it the uh, the customs and mm-hmm. you know the things that that go along with celebrating it. So for me to get to share that with a lot of people and you know just act as a as a gateway for people to learn something new, I, I thought was really cool. So. It would be one thing I would I would look at that as tokenization if they were telling you that they wanted a certain sound out of it. Okay, yeah. But the fact that they let you put it together. Yeah. And you know they were asking me, "Okay, send along a script." And I and I'm sitting here thinking, "Well, he kind of did that on the fly." <laughs> no, I mean, because that's just what you do. I don't I don't know. I mean, I I guess there could have been a script. But... Here's the thing is that it worked. You're able to do that. Yeah. Okay, and but not everybody can 
can just sit there and and spit rhymes like you do. Well, oh, well stop, don't make me act like it's all completely freestyle. There is thought and you know that goes into it. For most things I do, I write out a basic outline to to keep me on track so I'm not rambling on like I am in this opus of Triloquy. Shout out to everyone who stuck around so far. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, let's let's go ahead and um and, and get into Kwanzaa. So first of all, as we uh, established at the beginning, this is not Black Christmas. This is a, a completely different thing, um, a holiday uh, created in the year of 1966 by a Dr. Milana Karinga. Had you heard of him before? I've heard the name, but I didn't associate it. Yeah. I, I, it just felt familiar. Yeah, he's not one of those big black power names like Jesse Jackson or whatever, right. at, at least, you know, uh, in popular culture. But, you know, he, he has done a lot uh, to, to really uh, move black liberation conversations of uh, black equity forward. And, you know, him creating this holiday was a, a really important uh, way for him to, you know, have people who are black uh, to to have that connection to the motherland and to the diaspora and and uh, who we are as people and um, one of the uh, the main parts of Kwanzaa is is uh, acknowledging the Ngozu Saba or the seven principles of Kwanzaa mm-hmm. and we're going to go through um, each of those um, as you go through the uh, principles of Kwanzaa night by night December 26th to January 1st you have what you call a kinara and it's a candle holder uh, with seven different candles, uh, usually made of wood. Uh, I got one last year um, from one of Dell's former co-workers at the co-op he was working at. Mm-hmm. I was looking around and looking around and, and couldn't find one, and I was going to get one online, but it was going to get here too late. And for, uh, Dell mentioned that at work, and uh, one of his co-workers had an extra. So uh, we mm-hmm. got it from him. So, um, so shout out to him. Uh, I don't know his name. I, f- I feel bad, but um, but Dell will let me know. I'll, we'll put it in the description. We'll give him a shout in the description. Anyway, so there are seven candles, one black, three red, and three green. The black candle is in the middle. It represents black people and the and the strength of who we are and um and the and the pride in our identity. The three red candles for what's come in the past, all of the bloodshed, the oppression, the the slavery, all of that that has a. Uh, has uh, become a part of who we are as a people, and then the green candles representing the uh, prosperity that uh, that lies uh, before us and the hope for a better future. So, lot lots of uh, symbolism in there, and sort of like uh, the way many people who aren't Christians will celebrate Christmas. There are ways for people who aren't black to celebrate Kwanzaa, correct? Yes, and and let me say this. Kwanzaa is a holiday that was created for black people, and it is about celebrating black people. So I think that um, the, the principles can definitely apply, um, but it's very important to understand um, how those principles go toward black people and black liberation, you know, if, if, if that makes sense, you know. It does, but, you know, there's some of them that I'm sure... I, mean, I was thinking about this last night because there's some of them that you're going to cover, and as you explain them, and I was, as I was thinking about them, there's some that are difficult to difficult to do or could be. Yeah, well, 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 let's go ahead and get started. So the first principle of Kwanzaa is unity or umoja, to strive for and maintain unity in the family, community, nation, and race. So um, from my perspective, what this what this principle is, is really saying 
is making sure that as black people, we um, understand the community that we can have in working together. I think about, you know, all of these reducing the violence initiatives, mm-hmm. all of these, um, you know, uh, at, at our jobs, you know, there's the uh, People of Color Employee Resource Group, you know, uh, maintaining and appreciating community in, uh, in, in that way. You know, shout out to Megan Oglesby, who's been on a, co- a few opuses of Triloquy at this point. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the opus in which I interview her, you know how we talk about how community uh, is important in that way, and that's that's something to uh, to celebrate, and that can be uh, celebrated by just about anyone. So, as a way to connect that to music, um, there's this uh, really great piece of music by Valerie Coleman, member of Imani Winds, who we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, and she called it Umoja. It was the first piece of music um, that I chose for the uh, NPR uh, Kwanzaa special, and. Uh, It sounds a little something like this. So the spirit of Umoja um, put into music. Scott, as a non-black person, how do you think you can uh, respect or honor the principle of uh, unity, Umoja? I do that at my house and in my neighborhood. Talk more about it. I like to take care of the exterior of my house, meaning that I plant pretty things, I keep the grass cut, And I pick up trash and things like that. My idea is that if people in the neighborhood see me doing that, then they will do that. And it has been contagious. If you look at right across Caddy Corner across the way, after I put in all of my landscaping, the family over there, they redid their wall Mm -hmm. and they put in some trees and things like that. So that's nice. Yeah. And I also... Um, I like to get to places in my neighborhood, like any taverns or restaurants or businesses that I go to in the neighborhood. I drive through the neighborhood streets because I want people to see my car and my face and to associate me with somebody who's in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and uh, and that I'm not racing through. You know, that I just I just want to project a communal, friendly and and. Um, Someone who's taking care of themselves, yeah, you know, and and trying to be inspirational that way. Yeah, and I, I, I guess I wasn't necessarily thinking of community as like the physical thing, but that that is a very in, important part of it. You know, mm-hmm. just being, or even just you know, I live in a, in an apartment building. You know, being respectful of community, making sure you're clearing the dryer sheet out of the yeah don't you know, leave your laundry in the washer or leave your laundry around or you know i don't know maybe maybe that's spreading it a little far but you know that the idea of honoring and respecting um community you know as it applies to kwanzaa you know specifically to black folk i think can apply to a community in the way you're describing too okay so what way were you thinking of that then if i was talking about physical community you were talking about I was talking about just recognizing and seeing one another, you know, as we get into this uh, next uh, principle of Kwanzaa, self-determination or kujichagulia, uh, to define ourselves, name ourselves, create for ourselves, and speak for ourselves. So just recognizing uh, the power of 
uh, seeing each other and and honoring uh, each other's uh, perspectives as as valid, and you know, uh, you know, recognizing what about those experiences uh, we have in common, and, and using that to you know do whatever we're doing in work or at home or in community or you know that 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 sort of broad idea. Mm. I think that we're doing that in the podcast too. Yeah, me Just, too. Just we give each other the space to say whatever's on our mind and not judge. Mm-hmm. And the same with the guests. Is this a, <laughs> are you trying to butter me up for later because you're going <laughs> to, because you've got some things to say about some of these other principles? No, what I was just thinking about was, um, it's something that Vanessa Rose talked about, how um, we, we haven't put on any airs. We've said everything that's been on our mind. Yeah. And hasn't there hasn't been any shaming or you know maybe a little bit of good natured ribbing, but yeah, and you know it's it's one uh, it's one thing that I'm thankful for to uh, APM. You know, in the spirit of Kuji Chagulia, you know, to speak for yourselves, you mentioned not putting on any airs. I certainly don't. I feel like I'm speaking for myself, speaking from uh, my perspective. You you bleep my shits and dams and my every now and again. I don't but, do the dams. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I do feel like I'm, I'm able to uh, speak for myself. And, and I have uh, to say, I don't know why we're doing it. What do you mean? Well, what do you I, mean you I don't mean, know why we're doing well, it? Well, I know why we're doing it, but I don't understand why we have to because there's other podcasts that come out of this building and okay. and they're full on dropping not, them. Not this building. We're in Studio B right now. You, yeah. Okay. But NPR proper, they're American Public Media proper. Did you know that there's sixty podcasts coming out? Sixty. Of there? Wow. Yeah, every week. So, uh, and there's some of them that are, you know, they're full on dropping f bombs. But at the same time, too, where we have freewheeling conversation. They are agonizing over every word in okay. the script. Well you, so. well, you as the guy who's the producer, I want to see if you will bleep this. So I think in the spirit of Umoja and Kujichagulia, I should bring up a tune by uh, uh, Queen Latifah. It was called Unity. You remember that one, Unity. right? Unity. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, she's talking about community um, in, in that way, you know, uh, bringing things together, but also, you know, naming herself, naming her community, creating for herself, you know, speaking for herself. And it famously, you know, starts with her going off on this phrase. So yeah, shout out to Queen Latifah, and then of course uh, she was on uh, uh, the uh, you know they did the uh, around the holidays they do the the uh, live Broadway things, and this year it was the Little Mermaid, <laughs> and Queen Latifah <laughs> was uh, Ursula. It, it was good. It was really good. She did Poor Unfortunate Souls, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. That's another awesome. one of the baddies that's good. Yeah, one of the baddie songs. And you know, of course, they they made uh, Shaggy as Sebastian. I like that. <laughs> Which and he looked really sharp in his red suit, and you know, he really I got into Shaggy. it's fun. It, it, it's fun to and you know talk about cultural competency. It's not about picking the Caribbean guy to be <laughs> to be the you know the Sebastian, lobster, right? To be the but, shrimp. 
He's somebody we all know. His identity as someone who is Caribbean is a big part of, you know, who it is. So to see those two things come together, it's fun. I don't know. You know, his track that he did with Maxi Priest, that girl, that was you like that it? was on repeat for a long time when that came out. She's outspoken, I'm outbroken. Just the kind of girl to keep my love life rolling. She's outspoken, I'm outbroken. Just the kind of girl to keep my that, that, that girl to make you break your silence and speak. Just a glimpse upon the silhouette, money's get weak. Mm-hmm, baby, baby. So unique, a regimatic lover, lover, make your life complete. Yeah. Yeah, um, but anyway, let's get back to Kwanzaa. So uh, day three of Kwanzaa, the third principle of Kwanzaa is Ujima, collective work and responsibility uh, to build and maintain our community together and make our brothers and sisters' problems our problems and to solve them together. So, uh, you know, we can talk about a lot uh, when it comes to that. Uh, You know, community initiatives, uh, not too far from where I live, um, concerning like a, a violence problem, there's this there's this specific gas station uh, over there yeah. that that stuff was going down, yeah. and you know a group of mothers just came together with signs out there and just stood out there with signs and said stop the violence, and they they have folks posted up uh, whenever they saw something fishy going down, they were um, um, you know dealing with it right then and there, mm-hmm. um, you know. Th- Th- things like that, you know, just t- taking claim to uh, what's going on and and not being, you know, in-, in your own little space, on your own little island, not paying attention to what's going on around you. There has been some of that energy r- right here in my neighborhood as well. Okay. It, on So, you know, that nextdoor.com yep. or the Nextdoor app where it puts you in touch with your neighbors and sure. all that. Um, there, There's a lot of petty theft that goes on in in this neighborhood. There's a lot of uh, garage break-ins, people uh, tossing cars and things like that. And there's folks talking about that very thing, just trying to be more visible and letting the the, the petty thief know that, hey, we're... In this together. Yeah, everybody's watching this uh, all at the same time. And, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see what comes of it. But um, there, there's some of that happening in this in this neighborhood, too. Which is, you know, there's been a lot of gun violence over here on this end too. Oh well. Like just last Friday, I had to take a different route home from work because up, uh, just a couple blocks up, there was, I'd say there was six or eight cruisers that were uh, ar- around some event. I don't know what happened. Goodness gracious! But it's a, this is this is kind of a rough hood. I mean, but you know, it's. A different kind of rough, and for whom, you know, because I, if, if I walk around my neighborhood too late at night, someone's calling the police on me as well. You know, that's rough for me. The, the, the gangsters in my hood have uniforms on. Let's not, don't get me on that. Let's not start. But yeah. you, you understand the point that I'm making, right? I do. Um, right up the block, uh, a year and a half ago, a guy was shot right out in front of that church. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's why my friend uh, Drew and his wife moved. Mm. It happened right across the street from them. So, and but, what? So, in the spirit of Ujima collective work and responsibility, you know, do you feel like you're a part of collective work in your community to to make it safer, make it whatever? I'm trying. I'm trying. I hope to be. Um, this is 
you're sitting in a pocket that doesn't see as much as just a little bit east. And yeah, I think that um, uh, just the, the my visibility, you know, again, like we were talking about earlier on, I try to make sure that people see me out in the neighborhood. And um, I, I usually have radar, you know, nobody messes with me when, you know, you got a big dog. Sure, sure. And, and again, it's not about, uh, it's easy for, you know, maintaining a community physical or otherwise, you know, to, to be about crime and justice and, and recognizing a problem and, and punishment. I don't see it as that as much as I see it about maintaining a space that we all want to be a part of and, right. and a space in which we are all comfortable. And, you know, on the Kwanzaa special for the radio, um, the way I tied this to classical music was talking about how different organizations are doing that collective work, you know, making the the problem of inequity in classical music their own by focusing on that, mm. um, and, and the and uh, the ensemble uh, that that I chose was the New Black Repertory um, Orchestra. Um, they're based in Chicago, and they're all about unearthing all of that uh, once ignored music and making sure that uh, it gets its rightful place. You know, one of those pieces is the uh, piano concerto in one movement uh, by Florence Price. You know, that piece of music means a lot to me. You know, for so many different reasons. You know, not. Only is it this phenomenally beautiful composition, you know, by this black woman composer. Um, it was the it was on the, my final concert uh, in Knoxville. Oh, nice. So you know the the you know b- before I'm giving up one of my highly coveted, you know, tenured tenured orchestral positions. You know, I'm getting to play this piece. Uh, shout out to Ma- Michelle Can, the uh, pianist, uh, beautiful Afro-American uh, pianist, graduate of the Curtis Institute. I interviewed her, you know, for my radio show, and, and we got to talking about a lot of things. Um, I don't know if you remember uh, the Philadelphia Starbucks incident where they kicked a couple of black, you I know, do. that yeah. was, so that was the Curtis Starbucks. That's where all the music students go. Oh. So we talked a lot about um, that anyway. Uh, so, so such an uh, important piece of music to the repertoire, but uh, to me personally. So uh, it was an honor for me to uh, include those sounds into the uh, the Kwanzaa feature for the radio. principle are we on at this point? Okay, so uh, next is Ujama Cooperative Economics. Now, Scott, mm-hmm. this is the one <laughs> that, yep. that is challenging on a lot of different levels. So it's defined as to build and maintain our own stores, shops, and other businesses and to profit from them together. So, right. what, so what this means is Black people buying black and, right. and, and keeping our, our dollar within our communities. Uh, earlier today, uh, as I was uh, getting ready, you know, just at home, you know, having my coffee or whatever, I turned on an interview featuring uh, the Honorable uh, Louis Farrakhan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he talks about a lot. Uh, some of his beliefs that, you know, I, I, I can't stand beside, you know, but, you know, as far as being a leader, for, for black folks and in the black community, he is definitely that. There's no denying that. Yeah. Uh, one thing he said was that 
um, black people maintain um, a dollar in our community for six hours. So six hours after someone gets money, that dollar is in the hands of someone who is not black, as opposed to mm. um, how, you know, Chinese people have communities around the, you know, you go to Chinatown in New York or, mm-hmm. or Los Angeles or whatever, you know, that dollar is in that community um, you know, for a while, certainly the case for Would Jewish communities. Days so, of, over hours, then sure, days over yeah. hours. Yeah, you know, maybe in some cases, generationally, when when you when you look at you yeah. know you know some some of the some of the Kennedy money mm-hmm. or or the Rockefeller or or whatever so, that'll never run out. You know, and and and, and that's what that uh, that that's what this principle Ujama of Kwanzaa you know uh, really tackles, and it's difficult. Um, because, you know, black folks traditionally have not had the access to, to what we need to start these businesses, certainly not businesses that could, um, maintain us. And when it has happened, when we have managed to do it, it's been destroyed. Everyone's talking about the Watchmen or has been talking about the Watchmen. It's a great series. And how the uh, first episode of that show sort of reenacts the Tulsa race riots. And a lot of people didn't even know that was a real thing. I was one of them. So what what was your react? So for for folks who don't know, how about you talk about what that was sure. from your perspective? The um, it, it was it operates on an alternate timeline, but it takes things that actually happened and just right. sort of shows you a different path from it. And I immediately went and looked up what riot, what what massacre they were referencing, and what did you find? That was the uh, it was. Black Wall Street that um, uh, there was a some somebody was accused of an assault right mm-hmm. and, and then a bunch of white people just essentially waltzed down this uh, main street of a black community and, and, and destroyed just it destroyed it yeah the, the the story that I understand is that there was a black um, elevator operator in downtown Tulsa. And the elevator jostled a little bit, and he bumped into this white lady who screamed, who mm. screamed rape, mm. and and mm. they took care of it. You know, so you know, just historically, it's been it's been so difficult um, for black people to maintain financial and fiscal communities in that way. You know, black folks, we go to black uh, hairstylists, and you know, we we have certain businesses, but you know. What uh, what many people are, are fighting for, you know, um, myself included to an extent, is the black bank, the black um, grocery store. You know, th- things things that can really sustain us as um, a- as uh, a community. You know, and and a lot of people are challenged by the idea. You know, the idea that we need our own, we need you know separate. But I don't know what's wrong with. Um, you know, the, the, the idea of focus and centering black people all the way down into business, the way we spend our money. Uh, you don't have to uh, wonder what it would be like. Just watch that show with Killer Mike. What was the uh, show oh, with Killer Trigger Mike? Trigger Warning. Trigger Warning with yeah. Killer Mike. Uh, and he uses of, some black classical music in, uh, in that show. It's, yeah. It was one of the first episodes where he tried to go all day and only do business with black on, you know. Right. Only, oh, and, right. Yeah, I forgot that about that episode. Every, yeah. Everything from the dancers all the way over to the bicycle he was riding to, you know, he, he couldn't find uh, any black. Per, uh, the, he had to go through a lot right. to get through that day only working in black businesses. And I look around me, the uh, like Payne Avenue, mm-hmm. 
uh, there's loads of of Hmong businesses, right? And and uh, bodegas, and uh, also some taquerias and and things like that. But and that gets into the spicy conversation of how you know black people see uh, have have fewer financial opportunities, you know, opportunities to get bank loans and all that stuff than Understood. people who come here from right. other countries, right? You know? And a lot of people don't want to have that conversation either. But. No. But all all you have to do is look up and down, you know, what whatever your um, minority neighborhood main street is, right. and you're going to find dom- businesses dominated by that, and that's where people go. Yeah. So the the places that I like to go up and down uh, Payne Avenue are owned by Hispanic business owners and Hmong business owners primarily, and then you know, of course, there's a few others that are white, but. This is a real hopping neighborhood, and mm-hmm. I really feel like it's on the cusp of becoming uh, the next hot neighborhood. Yeah, and it is because of that. I think it's because of that diversity up and down that main street. I I, I do not know. I know that there are two boutiques that are black owned. Sure, but apart from I should do, I should do some research because I want to throw some business that way too. But. Um, I really think that the resurgence that this neighborhood is seeing is as a result of that diversity. And, you know, when I think about uh, the principle of Ujamaa, uh, cooperative economics, um, as it could apply to you, I know one thing that uh, you've been thinking about and something we've kind of been talking about lately um, is uh, how uh, black breweries and the idea of black-owned uh, beer breweries is starting to, to, to be a thing. And there's an organization... Brewers for Change. Brewers for Change here uh, in the Twin Cities who's who's doing that. I was introduced to them through uh, my hairstylist, Jenny. Shout out to her. Um, have, have you... And I know they did a... Uh, NPR News did a story on them. How, do, do you know much about them or, or where their brewery is? Or They don't have a physical brewery. They go and they partner. Like they'll the um, think of it as like in your favorite bar when they have a tap takeover, you know, and then and they're serving all these one certain brands. Yeah. Well, essentially, what they'll do is they'll go into another brewery, brew on their gear, and sell that there. I see. I see. So it's some sort of a collaboration. Maybe maybe and you can maybe you can donate your facilities for a small batch of something. To, that sounds great. Let's do that. Yeah. To, but also, there's one brewing collective. Okay. Which is half black owned. All right. So two buddies that start up that's up in the North Loop of Minneapolis. Yeah. So so, so yeah. So so buy black I, if, if you can. Yeah. Um, just to support the diversity in your neighborhood. If nothing yeah. else. And of course, uh, tying this into classical music for the radio special, uh, I brought in uh, the Third Symphony of William Grant Still. So yeah. If there's any black organization, any black structure that uh, really celebrates Ujamaa, cooperative economics, from my perspective, it's the black church because, you know, black folks mm. will, will will pay that tithe, will put in that collection plate, you know, their last, you know, and, and uh, you know, all of, you know, my complications with religion aside, that, that sense of community, you know, I, I've delivered groceries for churches, you know, that's where a lot of those offerings go. Um, you know, other community endeavors. So um, anyway, that idea of cooperative economics in church, I brought up the Third Symphony of William Grant Still that he nicknamed the the Sunday Symphony. So sort of his ode to the tradition of of black church and getting dressed up and going to, to church on Sundays. It's 
So you, you you can hear a lot of that uh that jazziness and that uh, spiritualness uh, in in much of the symphony. And then moving on from Ujama, you have the fifth principle of Kwanzaa, which is Nia, purpose, to make our collective vocation the building and developing of our community in order to restore our people to their traditional greatness. So, uh, Scott, when I hear that phrase, traditional greatness, I think back to the conversation I had with Lee Kuntz, um, who's the executive director of the uh, of the Gateways uh, yeah. Festival? You know, we we talk about inclusion in classical music as if uh, black folks have just discovered how to you know play a musical instrument, but a large part of our tradition. Um, is this. And and that's one of the big points I try to make is that we're not tourists. We're not new in this. We just haven't always been offered and 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 given the space, you know, to 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 let other people um to know what that is. So for for me, I see that as a lot of my purpose, how I can apply Nia uh to 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 my vocation and and to my life as a whole. See, this is something that I don't think that many white people have a place in, okay, <laughs> in go this particular. Uh, elaborate. Well, because what does a white person have in making your vocation and building and development? That's something that the people in that community do, mm-hmm. not somebody outside of it, right? But again, it's also offering, uh, I think, offering the space and, and, and not that, you know, uh, we need permission, but... Um, you know when 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 our boss Julie, you know, offers me me the space to, you know, choose uh, what we talk about here um, on Triloquy. You know, the, the the freedom to do what we do to choose the music for that uh, the Kwanzaa special. You know, I I think that is how non-black people can play a role in um, a black person. Uh, discovering their purpose, you know, really manifesting the the idea of of Nia. Okay, so that reminds me of the Jennings School. Okay, that opus when and and you know when we went and had breakfast with uh, well I'm sorry the woman who teaches there uh, Val, Val Val Honey. Okay, yeah. shout out to Val Honey. Um, I think I want to I want to move forward on this idea because the the two guys that were there were really interested in doing their own podcast. So yeah. that might be a way that we can help them out. Is right, right. Help, sort of help them utilize some, their purpose. Right. Or, so, or see their purpose. All right. So write that down. Yeah. Um, musically, uh, you know, who I, who I think about is, you know, the woman who for me uh, coined the phrase black classical music the first time I heard it, Nina Simone. Nina Simone. You know, what, uh, you know, there... there Look, I could speak for a long time about any one of her tunes. I think one of the first I think of uh, when I think of uh, her is Wild is the Wind. Absolutely. You know, how, how smooth that is. But She does a really nice Here Comes the Sun, Yeah, I, I love that one. But, you know, one I, 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 that tickles me a lot uh, that people don't talk about uh, all that often is one called Go to Hell. Do you remember that <laughs> I one? I don't. She, she's, she's singing about how... 
um, you you better, and maybe this ties into Christmas, you know, how, <laughs> how you got to do right, you know, um, or, or you'll go to hell, how, you know, uh, Adam and Eve ate of the, of the tree and um, I, they didn't do the right thing. So I guess they just went to hell. I say hell, man, woman were created, hell to live for eternity. An apple they ate from the tree of aid, so you know who done well. Now they went to hell. They went to hell. I also really like uh, Black is the Color of My True Love's Hair, but for some reason, her treatment of I want a little sugar in my bowl, yeah, that I mean, it's just I, I just I just turn into a little puddle when yeah. I listen to her sing that. Yeah, so shout out to Nina Simone. We'll, we'll have to figure out a way uh, to have a <laughs> Nina Simone dedicated opus of Triloquy. Okay, but how does this fit into the next one of creativity? That That's Kumba? Yeah, creativity, Kumba, to do always as much as we can in the way that we can in order to leave our community more beautiful and beneficial than we inherited it. I see you doing that. In what ways? Well, um, you... Every time you turn on the microphone and you have a chance to bring blackness to the microphone. <laughs> if, you, if I have the chance to say something, something you, black, I yep, say it. You do that. But, but you see, that means is, a lot for you to, to acknowledge that. So, you know, for me to hear that from you means that I'm really doing it. But you also do that for women. Sure, yeah. And, I'm, a ch- I'm a champion. And also for those in the LGBTQ Yeah, shout community. out to the gays, all of us. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I feel um, like this is my own personal pep rally. I do, but no, but but you see, the thing is, is that you are doing all. You're giving props to all of these different uh, people, and you're doing it in a way that the people like me, the mm-hmm. white folks, need to hear. Right. Okay. So that's that. That's what I think is that's where the rub is for me. But then going back to this definition of Kumba, to do always as much as we can in the way we can. I feel mm-hmm. like you do that as well. You are so much more versed in Pro Tools <laughs> than than I am. Well, that, pulling yeah, that, back the curtain. But, you know? Okay. So that's what I can do. Right. And uh, as we said earlier on in this, maybe Opus One or the Overture. I know that as a white man, I'm not the person to be going out and finding these stories and doing these interviews, but I want to help people who can do that, do that. Yeah. So more of a sort of an elder statesman sort of a role. (laughs) 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 Or um, I don't want to say mentor because some people are not mentored, you know, but... Just um, in in Buddhism, they call it a bodhisattva, okay. which is someone who can attain, obtain nirvana, but instead they stay behind to help others do it. Oh, but that's kind of a beautiful concept. Mm. So what you're saying is, I'm going to become famous so that you will... <laughs> I will attain nirvana. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that works. Oh, man. Um <laughs> Uh, so in the spirit of uh, creativity um, and tying it with music, I thought of a composer um, named Nathaniel Dett. And he's one that I learned semi-recently. Um, he, I think he was actually born on the Canadian side of Niagara Falls, so an Afro-Canadian who uh, his family moved over into uh, Rochester um, mm-hmm. uh, later on, somewhere upstate uh, New York. 
And um, he saw a part, you know, when we talk about Nia purpose, but also creativity, um, you know, the, the, the richness of Negro spirituals and, and black music and created piano music that kind of um, spoke to that. He went down um, into my home state of Tennessee uh, in the city of Jackson, about probably about 70 miles from Memphis. We're gone to Jackson. Uh, and, and, um, and, and taught, you know, and used his creativity to move uh, forward things, um, you know, you know, like that, you mm-hmm. know, um, and, and, and a tune that, uh, that's making the rounds these days by Nathaniel Dett um, is his uh, Magnolia Suite. Uh, uh, really, you know, I think of it as uh, just sitting under a weeping willow, just uh, feeling all of that warm humidity with a glass uh, of lemonade and just, you know, enjoying the day. Electric lemonade? <laughs> what is electric lemonade? That's when you put some booze in it. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> no. All right, pass. And shout out to Clipper Erickson, who has recorded uh, so much of that music in, in a really beautiful way, um, using his own creativity, Kumba, to, to move forward, um, you know, black classical music. So um, we're, we're at the final principle of Kwanzaa. Uh, faith, Imani, to believe with all our heart in our people, our parents, our teachers, our leaders, and the righteousness and victory of our struggle. So it doesn't now, absolutely include faith of a higher power. It's faith in your fellow black man faith or woman. In, faith in our, our fellow brother and sister, but also faith um, in the work. You know, we, we've gone through each of these principles and ways in which we can apply those principles. But for me, from my perspective, they're nothing if we don't really believe in it. Mm. So, you know, when, okay. when when I talk about blackness as it applies to classical music on this podcast, on the radio, visiting schools, whatever, you know, I have to have the faith that that is... That is for something that that's sparking in someone's mind who can make change um, to do so, and um, mm. and yeah, Imani is just the the most important you know of the principles in my opinion. You know, it, I, I think uh, I think of Imani wins. I was going to say the namesake who, who who we talked about earlier. You know how their work is is for something bigger, and I'm sure they have that faith. Valerie Coleman when she writes all that music. Um, but I wanted to shout out, uh, you know, talking about Imani, um, my high school band director, uh, Paula Turner, um, my high school music theory teacher, her husband, Ron Turner, was the beginning band director where I went to school. So mm-hmm. he put a bassoon in my hands for the first time, you know, very important people in the tra- trajectory of my life. Uh, when I was in ninth grade for the Christmas concert, the holiday concert, um, Paula Turner put on the program a piece of music called Imani uh, by a composer named Sean O'Loughlin. I don't think he's black, but um, but you know the competency that she had to 
find this piece of music that had a connection with Kwanzaa to expose her students to this celebration and to apply it in a musical way. I've never forgotten about that piece of music. It played a role in the um, in the Kwanzaa special uh, mm-hmm. we put together. Um, just just an incredible band of composition. Anyway, uh, Imani, Faith uh, by Sean Laughlin, um, wrapping up the seven principles of Kwanzaa. So um, so now you know something. How do you celebrate? I, I, I do it uh, by lighting the Kinara on um, on each night. You know, I start with the black candle I was in say, the middle. You like, you like to start with the black candle. Yes, because I feel like from the beginning, you know, I, I have to, you know, shine in that black candle first helps me think about, you know, the responsibility I have in the spaces that I maintain in letting my light shine, so to speak, and not muting myself and being forward and being seen. And then, um, you know, as, as, you know, each night of Kwanzaa goes by, just lighting another one of those candles one by one, uh, thinking about the principles and thinking about um, how I can apply them to my life um, as we've been talking about here today. Um, so this wraps up the 2019 uh, opuses of Triloquy. Mm. Um, how do you feel? A lot of work. Man, no, <laughs> it's just gotten into one of those situations where it feels like we have more than 32 or 33 opuses at this point. Yeah, um, it's it's You're been a such, ride, but such great ground covered, and I would encourage everybody to listen to the next opus, which is. The year in review. So yeah, in in the in the first uh, 2020 opus of uh, Triloquy, uh, we're gonna go through and and uh, talk about some of our favorite moments of 2019 in general, some of our favorite Triloquy note moments uh, from 2019, and uh, some of the things we have for our 2020. So uh, happy New Year! Don't drink too much champagne, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>